for listening to the Red Letter Business Podcast presented by Christian Businessmen's Connection, Oklahoma. Each episode, we're talking with ordinary businessmen who have impacted the lives of others as they live out their faith at work. That's the mission of CBMC, helping men know God, discover His purpose in their work, and make a significant impact in the lives of others. Let's jump into today's episode. Right. Welcome back to the Red Letter Business Podcast. My name is Tyler DuBose with CBMC Oklahoma, and we are live on location today, Adrian, out at Hidden Treasure North Edmond uh, here at the home of Tall Oaks Coaching. Yes, and I got to tell you, it's one of those days where you wish you were doing a video podcast because our description of um, Ross's place here is is not going to do it justice so it's a beautiful place you have here uh, as I mentioned we're going to be interviewing uh, Ross Hill uh, the owner of this uh, business today and we're going to be chatting a little bit continuing in our theme with James on business um, so uh, before I introduce Ross I'd love to just take a, a moment and and read the passage of scripture that we're going to be digging into today and as, as you well know each episode we we read a passage of scripture, and then we connect it with a real-life story. So uh, I've heard Ross's story before, and I think we're all going to be really encouraged uh, to hear what he has to, to share with us today on top of his business expertise and his, his just experience and wisdom. But uh, before we do that, we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read that uh, very quickly, uh, if you guys will permit me. But it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, and this is what we're going to be dealing a lot of time with today, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So that was a lengthy passage of scripture, but and there's a lot there. And we're going to start to unpack it. But before we do that, let me introduce to you uh, Ross Hill. Ross, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. And so excited to share Hidden Treasure with you. And we, the pleasure is ours. I mean, we absolutely we have been blessed by uh, the tour that we got today. And if you haven't had a chance to come out here and see um, this this space, I would really encourage you to check it out. And we'll put uh, information or show notes if you want to connect with him. And I would highly encourage you to do that. But Ross, just tell us a little bit about what you do out here 
and um, and, and your coaching and, and all that good stuff. Well, thank you, Adrian. I, uh, it really goes back to 1988. God put it on my heart to have a place for pastors to be able to go to and be ministered to and cared for and loved on. And I started praying about it since uh, June of 1988. And uh, in 98, I started coaching pastors. My first one was in North Carolina and then in DC and Fredericksburg, Maryland and Chicago and Phoenix. Uh, finally, I said, Lord, is there not any pastors that need coaching in Oklahoma City? And then different pastors started coming uh, for coaching. And when I retired from banking in 17, October of 17, I, I went to some spiritual leaders like uh, the Greens and Trice and a few other guys and said, hey, here's what I think I did well in my banking career. Here's things that I, I think I'm good at and here's some possibilities. And uh, wise spiritual men all told me I should be pastoring or mentoring or discipling pastors. And, uh, and so here I am. Uh, I have a nonprofit called uh, Tall Oaks Coaching, and this ministry is called Tall Oaks Coaching, and we've got about a hundred pastors in it now. We coach pastors and their spouses, and uh, we're just in their corner. And we use a model that I developed over time, uh, uh, not something that I read in a book, but just what God led me to that addresses the things about discouragement and loneliness and most of the things that cause pastors to leave the ministry. And uh, today, uh, part of the equation was to have a beautiful place where pastors could come and enjoy and get in touch with God. And uh, we found this place in late in 19 and my wife and I uh, bought it and sold our house and remodeled this and are continuing to remodel you saw some construction work at the street as you came in but this is this place is dedicated to caring for pastors well so ross uh, you have a really unique perspective because you have spent your uh most of your time in banking as, right. as an exec so you have the business background but you spend a lot of your time now um discipling mentoring coaching um, pastors and, and you also mentioned you still do that with business execs as well that's right so you know this is one of the things that we do with cbmc that we work really hard to help men catch a vision that their church life and their work life aren't necessarily separate that they're integrated that the the majority of the time that we spend at work god wants that time as well so as we look at this passage that we just read um, and, it, and it, it talks a lot about our words and how our tongue controls us and, and so on and so forth. But what, is it, what does this passage say about how we ought to um, integrate our faith with action? Uh, the theme, it's kind of a continuous theme in the book of, uh, of James. It, in your experience, what does that look like in, in the workplace? And, and how, do you, how do you work with pastors and business execs to help them uh, 
catch that vision as well. Well, you know, uh, so many people do try to silo their lives. And uh, I, I actually preached a message at the annual convention of Fellowship of Christian Companies International about smashing your silos. There's no silos mentioned in the Bible that we're supposed to live in. Uh, we're supposed to live for Jesus 24-7, and it's really hard to do. And this passage talks about how, you know, we stumble, um, how we have problems doing that. And uh, uh, there's nobody perfect. There, we cannot be perfect about it. We fail. The only perfect person was Jesus, and that's our model. But when we fail, we've got to admit we fail, mm -hmm. and we've got to make make it right with whoever we offended. Uh, the idea is to live for the Lord, not for ourselves. But most of us get that turned around. We live mm -hmm. for ourselves and our passion, our greed, our fame, whatever, instead of living for Jesus. I've seen that firsthand. Um both in the business world and the church world. Uh, sometimes we expect our pastors to be Jesus and to walk on water, yeah. right? And uh, people don't realize that, you know, our pastors, they stumble too. That's right. uh, there's times when they're short with their children and their wives and sometimes their congregation. Um, in the same way that our business execs do. And, um, and so it's not that you're not going to stumble because we will, mm -hmm. but it's, how we react when we do stumble. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's going to be just as much of a, of a witness as um, you know, living an upright, righteous life without stumbling. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, yeah, those, I'm sure we can all point to uh, past experiences where we felt like, wow, man, I wish I could have a redo on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have two small children at home, uh, two and four. I ask for a redo all the time. And <laughs> But to that point, I mean, that's something that my wife and I have learned that, you know, we need to ask for forgiveness from them, too. Not just because we're the parents. They have to ask from us a lot of time. But we screw up. And it's been taught to us that it's important to, to model that for them. Of like, hey, we mess up. We're not we're not perfect. I agree. Uh, it, and it's hard to ask your kids to forgive you. That might be the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things we like to do um, on this podcast is we like to connect uh, with our listeners with real stories, right? Like, you know, we, we bring men on this podcast that have a tremendous amounts of work experience. And a lot of people who listen to this are, are trying to find their way in, in the marketplace. Uh, some of them are younger and they're trying to advance in their careers. They're trying to figure out how do I balance my work, my life, my home life, all of that kind of stuff. All the same struggles that I'm sure uh, we've all gone through. But uh, we want to connect them with real stories. So I'll just, you know, kind of get personal here. Uh, was there ever a time in your work experience where, where you failed to tame your tongue? Is that, and is, if so, is there anything you, you would be willing to share with us <laughs> as, as we are encouraging uh, people with, hey, we, we all stumble? Yeah, I, uh, I have an exhaustive list of stumbles. <laughs> but uh, one in particular that comes to my mind was a loan committee meeting that we held at the bank. And in the loan committee, the, I was there as the president and CEO. The senior lending officer ran the meeting, and his entire team was there, all the lenders and an AA. 
and occasionally our CFO would attend the meeting. And uh, one day I, I got uh, basically had an out of body experience. I had what the scripture actually talks about uh, a tongue out of control. And I chewed out the senior lender in front of his entire staff, and it wasn't pretty. And what I said wasn't anything that I'm proud of. And uh, when I got done um, beating up on him and telling him off, uh, the meeting was over and everybody left the room and went back to their offices. And I'm sure their heads were ducked down. Uh, and I walked back into my office and I was thinking, what on earth? Where did that come from? What are you doing? And uh, I felt terrible about it. And I walked down to my senior lender's office and uh, closed the door and sat down and apologized to him for what I said, what I did, my attitude, and I asked him to forgive me. And he graciously did. And uh, so I asked him, I said, well, would you go get everybody that was in the meeting? I need to apologize to them too. And he goes, no, 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 it's good. Just go back to work. It's all good. I said, oh, just sit, sit tight. I'll go get them. So I went and got everybody else that was in the room and we crowded into his office and I apologized to the senior lender again in front of everybody else. And then I apologized to every, everyone in the room for the way I had acted and told them that's not appropriate in our culture and what we're trying to do here. And that I was remorseful, that I was thankful that their boss had given me grace and I would appreciate it if they would too. And, uh, and then everybody went back to work. And the senior lender walked down to my office a little later and he said, really appreciate you doing that, but why did you do that with my staff? Why did you bring all that up again? I said, well, I had annihilated you in front of your staff. Your, the respect that you get from your staff was probably torn apart with by my actions. So the only way to make it right and to replace you in the proper role in this bank and the authority you have over them is to apologize to you in front of them and then apologize to them. And uh, it's the only thing to do. We, it was painful. It wasn't fun to, to do it all, but it had to be done. If, if we were going to have a Christian company, if, we were, if, if people were going to look to me for spiritual leadership, uh, you know, I have to be willing to say I make mistakes. And I would, I'd like to say that's the only one I've ever made, but it's not. And I hope I've made it right anytime I haven't. It's critical that we do that. Well, I love, um, first of all, thanks for sharing that. Certainly didn't mean to bring up any, you know, old wounds or anything like that, but, uh, and, and those are, uh, certainly if we were to go into the times on a baseball field where I lost my cool <laughs> and, and had <laughs> that's to, I'm sure that's never happened. Yeah, yeah. no. And, and I had to same, same had to publicly apologize oftentimes to umpires, to, to um, my own players and, and ask for forgiveness. And, um, you know, when you do that, there's so, first of all, uh, 
I think we can all notice or recognize that that's not the norm in most business cultures. You know, what, what we're fed from TV and everything else is that apologizing is weakness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, in order to be powerful and influential, you've got to never admit you're wrong. You've always got to be right. You've always got to be the smartest person in the room. You've always got to be number one and step on whoever whoever you need to to get to where you're where you're going. That's kind of what we're fed a little bit. And to see this, that example in the workplace of a senior leader um, apologizing to people who are under him, right, uh, is probably not something that is expected or seen. But I can imagine what that did for your employees to see uh, the leader act that way. So is there any follow-up to that story? Did, did, was there anything that, that happened as a result of you publicly apologizing? Um, any follow-up conversations or anything that the Lord honored because, because you, you, you treated people with respect and, uh, and you humbled yourself, you know, <laughs> which was, like you said, it wasn't fun. It was probably humiliating to have to do that. It was. Yeah. But yeah, just curious. Was there any was there any follow up to that? Well, um, you know the bank the bank did extremely well. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that um, happened was that the bank was rated by our employees the last seven straight years I was there as top places to work in Oklahoma. And uh, when they were asked why, um, always in the top two or three reasons is. Uh, they were encouraged to live their faith, and they were shown how to do it. And yeah. um, and I I think that was one of those examples of of uh, showing people how to do it. And we uh, we used that system in the bank for everyone. Um, someone have an incident, and they come crying to HR, and, and uh, HR would say, "Well, have you?" Have you talked to the person and tried to make it right with them? And uh, that's the first step. And usually if you'll do that, everything will work out. And uh, so uh, I, th- I think that that was one of the great benefits. I don't remember now if this happened before or after that incident, but you know we became the number one earning community bank in America one year number three a second year but I think it was because of we just tried to live for the Lord when we messed it up we tried to make it right right mm. yeah that's a that's a pretty good motto to live by right try to live for the Lord and when you mess it up try to make it right yeah. <laughs> you know and, and and oftentimes God gives us those opportunities to make it right um, and some things you know in life that uh, you know, they pass us by and we're not able to make it right. And, and, and so I tell my boys, I have young boys. I say, you know, I, I have lots of regrets in my life, but I don't regret one single time that I follow the Lord. You know, the regrets that I have in my life are from when I wasn't following the Lord, when I wasn't doing what I knew that the Lord was wanting me to do. I See, I don't have problems uh, trying to understand what God wants me to do. I have problems actually doing what God wants me to do in my rebellious flesh, you know, uh, is always kicking back against what I know God wants me to do. And so, um, 
yeah, that, that's a very good motto to, to follow the Lord. And when you, when you mess up, do what you can to make it right. I love that. Well, you guys obviously listening can't see this, but right here in Ross's office, there's a little sign that says blessings live in the land of obedience. And so when you're talking about that, I was like, I've seen that sign. Oh, it's, it's right here. Like yeah. that's, that's a really good, I like that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, one of my clients had that made for me because it, I, uh, say that all the time I've written that it's in my book my new book that's coming out and uh, uh, I truly believe that the scriptures teach that mm-hmm. and uh, so why wouldn't you want to obey yeah. and uh, people think oh well that's something about wealth no uh, blessings have to do with health and relationship with people and, and uh, all kinds of things besides wealth that's right exactly that's right. So, you know, Ross, and, and what you do, first of all, you've got lots of experience in the uh, in the banking sector, but you also have a lot of experience dealing with, with other execs and, and pastors. Um, and so the very first part of this passage that we looked at uh, talked about uh, teachers and leaders essentially being stru- uh, judged more strictly. And first of all, have you seen that to be true? And why should we, uh, as leaders, leaders of our companies, leaders of our churches, um, be, be looked at in a different way than, than those who are just following? You know, you, you hear the expression, heavy lays the crown, right? Heavy, heavy, whoever's in charge, they have a lot of responsibilities, and, and, and it's, it can be burdensome. So why is it that teachers... Um, are judged more strictly, as James says here in the first three verses of this passage? Well, I think many times it's because we set the standard. We put the rules in place. We put the policies in place. We put the procedures in place. And uh, too often we do all that stuff, but we don't live by it. We think everybody else should live by it. But the truth is that if a leader is truly a leader, he needs to set the example. He needs to be the one that lives out his faith in front of everybody. He needs to be the one that lives by the policies of the business and the procedure of the business, not circumventing them. And uh, too often in America today, uh, leaders think they're above the rules. That's not mm. That's not what Scripture says. Right. Yeah. No, I... I you know, and that, that relates into business culture and really church culture as well. Um, I've had conversations with lots of pastors who uh, have discussed about a desire to see their congregation uh, move into discipleship relationships. They, they want their, their congregation to be discipling others. And, um, you know, and that's something with CBMC. Uh, we're going to talk about here shortly. But that's a, that's a huge passion of ours. We want to see men discipling other businessmen. Absolutely. And so, one of the my first questions when talking to uh, an elder council or an elder board of a church is, okay, how many of you are actually discipling other people? And it's su- surprising, maybe or maybe not, that usually the answer is the majority of them are not currently doing that. And so, they want that to be a part of their culture of their church. And yet they aren't currently actively uh, participating in that. And so, um, to your point, as leaders, whatever vision that God gives us to carry out, 
it's important that we set the example. That's right. That we are the ones at the forefront because it will trickle down. Uh, but if it's something that we're saying but not doing, then it will not catch on. I, I, I see that as, as an experience. And I'm sure you could probably share some examples of uh, in the business world where that's happened in a good way and then examples where that's backfired, where the leaders were not uh, living out the, the example they were wanting their employees to live out as well. What happens every day, uh, you, you know, you'll see uh, national advertising by large corporations talking about how great their service is and how wonderful their company is. But when you try to contact the CEO of the business, uh, the best you can find is maybe the physical address of the corporation. Um, you know, they, they get paid by the people that do business with them, but they do not want to talk to them. They don't want to be accessible to them. And the truth is you see that trickling down into all kinds of small businesses too. They, they think that's the kind of business they're supposed to operate, or that's the kind of church they're supposed to lead. And, uh, you know, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus was accessible to everyone. He didn't care who the person was, what their ranking is in life. Uh, nobody was too insignificant for the, for Jesus to love on and care about. No, I love that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I always say, you know, he was so... Jesus was just so intentional with everything he did. Yeah. Never seemed like in scripture that he was in a hurry. And yet he always found time for, for uh, you know, the people that God brought his way. And so um, the truth is, is that God has put people in our lives as well. He's put our neighbors. He's put our coworkers. Um, if we're in positions of leadership, uh, he's put people on our team and, and under us and, and people... Uh, our constituents, and so all of those connection points are opportunities for us. Hey, Adrian, I I totally agree. Uh, there's a I do a lot of speaking about this. Eight thousand two hundred and twelve times the amount of influence. That's what the average CEO or president has. Eight thousand two hundred and twelve times the influence over the unbeliever than any pastor in America. Wow. And if you took my bank, 83 employees times uh, the census in their family, 6,000 customers times the census in their family, uh, 1,000 suppliers and vendors times their employees, the influence we had, I had, was huge. Maybe as big as any church in America. Certainly a mega church. And mm -hmm stewardship is not writing a check stewardship is about that's part of it but it's about making sure that our life and what we're doing is touching people for jesus regardless i didn't even take into consideration our neighbors to the businesses where we go eat and all those kinds of things i mean we we have thousands of touch points and the question is are we touching them for Jesus? Do they see a difference in us? And uh, all too often, they don't see that. Right. And that's the hope that, that we hope our listeners are hearing these stories and, and they're being encouraged. And we know that there are a lot of our listeners that are sitting there listening and saying, you know what, this is, this is a real struggle for me. You know, um, taming, taming your tongue. Uh, 
right? Especially in the workplace when, when there's pressure, there's there's deadlines, there's overhead, uh, there's there's things where somebody you know doesn't do a good job or or you know any number of things, right? And don't even come into we're just coming out of a pandemic, right? So so um, uh, why is it do you think even for a Christian, right? Even for those who are following Jesus who are sitting there listening to this and say, you know, I know what Scripture says. Why is this still um, a struggle for us? What, what, what's the heart of it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. What, what does it come down to that, uh, that we struggle so, so mightily with, with the way that we talk and, and, and interact with others? Well, I, I think it's because we're not pursuing the Lord with all of our heart. Mm. We don't love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We don't seek him first. We seek a profitable business first. We seek fame first. We seek both of those first. And we don't trust him enough. He says he'll take care of our needs. He says that if we seek him, we'll have all the things we need. And um, instead of believing that and that being enough, we want more as if we're going to take that someplace. You know, when we die, it's just gonna turn to dust. It's gonna go away. And uh, we've made the, the wrong things the supreme thing in our life instead of making the Lord first. And when we do that, everything else follows. And uh, it's, that is a hard lifestyle. And we don't talk about enough about it. We don't preach enough about it. And we need to. So I have a couple of questions that I think tie into what you're talking about here. So, um, and really kind of the, the last two questions here um, that, are, that are really important that kind of bring everything home. So let's say one of our listeners is saying, you know, this is a struggle for me. I, I really desire to grow in this area of my life. Well, what resources does God give us to help us grow so that when we stumble, we're reminded, you know, I need to go try to make that right. What, what resources does God give us to help us keep a rein on our tongues? Well, the Word of God, we need to be in it every day. <laughs> we need to be praying every day. We need dedicated time to be with the Lord on a daily basis so that these things are in the forefront of our mind. We also need a mentor, a coach, or someone to disciple us, whatever label you want to put on that, uh, that holds us accountable, maybe more than holding us accountable, challenges us. The Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. And if we don't have anybody in our life sharpening us, how can we be a sharp tool? How can we know what to do when life's pressures come and they do come i mean i remember at the bank our our health insurance was nearly fifty thousand dollars a month i mean you think about making payroll you think about for 83 people you think about paying insurance premiums for them keeping the lights on you got to make a lot of money it's pressure but it, it gets twisted out of shape by putting the wrong things first. Well, I love that. So that's our, 
are two big things that we we really talk about with with our guys that you've got to be in the Word of God every day. Absolutely. Uh, we talk about we have a study that's that's the ten attributes of a marketplace ambassador. Attribute number one is walking daily in intimacy with Christ. And I love that you quoted uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Because that's the other aspect of it: discipleship, uh, mentorship, as you said, coaching, somebody to walk alongside you. God did not create us to go through this life alone. In fact, um, and we were talking about this earlier, uh, off 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 of the uh, recording, that. The devil will try to isolate us. Yeah. He will try to isolate yeah. us. And uh, when, when we are isolated, away from a community of believers, away from other men who are encouraging us and challenging, I love that you use that word, challenging us, that we're, we're often going to fall short of, of, of the man that God wants us to be. That's right. And so along those lines, and, and we ask every single person this, Ross, I know that you are pouring into lots of, uh, people right now in your coaching and profession, but what role has discipleship played in your own personal life? How did you, um, who came alongside you and, and helped you as you were making your way and, and, and trying to, to, to navigate the pitfalls of life and, and helped you catch the vision that this is exactly what God wants you to do for other people as well? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you see that what I've got on my calendar, what's that say? says personal preparation time yeah and and uh that that was today um there's tomorrow hey it's on there again (laughs) and it's on there every day 24 7 Uh, i love it 365 days never ending button but you know i god um my dad uh, committed suicide when he was when I was uh, about 30 31 years old and I became a Christian when I was 17 between my junior and senior year in high school um, but I really didn't have a walk with the Lord I went to Bible college got a degree in English Bible and ministry was a pastor for about five years really didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Wow. I was chairman of the board of the church I went to after I got out of the ministry and and uh, uh, would preach and pray in public and and uh, take care of youth groups or nurseries or whatever, but I really didn't have a personal relationship. I wore the, the name on my chest, but I didn't have it and uh, a couple of books that I read helped me go that way and and I God had always given me some older guys to be in my life and to drip on me but I was too embarrassed to tell them that I did I couldn't even finish a prayer and in my own personal time public prayer you can you're on stage you're acting you know Mm. acting doesn't get it done but to have a personal relationship with Jesus because you're in the word because you're uh, 
having a dedicated time to read the word and to pray and it's an adequate time it's not 15 minutes or reading uh, uh, Jesus calling or or uh, my utmost for his highest and I have both of those apps on my phone but I, they are not my time with the Lord specifically I might read them when I'm in a waiting room waiting to see somebody these guys just encourage me to live for the Lord and to use my life for the Lord and the books taught me how to pray and it was a combination of those things um, and the deeper I got into it the more God brought men into my life to speak to me about where I was and what my relationship was with the Lord I'm not much of a spectator so I started leading some other people probably way before I should have but I you know I I can go to 1OU football game a year that's plenty I can go to you know a Thunder basketball game that's plenty I I want to play I don't want to be a spectator and that's one of the reasons why going to church is hard for me I know I need to, and I know I want to a lot of times. Um, but it's a whole lot easier when I'm speaking at church to mm. go than it is when I'm sitting in the pew. I need to sit in the pew. I need to worship him. I need to praise him. But I'm a doer. And once I figured out how to be a doer in seeking the Lord, everything came together. And it happened because of some books. It happened because of spiritual leaders praying for me and speaking into my life and uh, and then it accelerated as I tried to help others because they'd ask some pretty good questions and uh, you know it makes you look in the mirror and there's nothing like helping somebody grow in the Lord to challenge you to grow in the Lord too that's a good point would you mind what, what were the names of those two books that you'd mentioned too Busy Not to Pray is one that was written by a large uh, pastor of a large church in America, one of the largest, and he admitted he had the same problem with his personal prayer life as I did, and he said he wrote out his prayers word for word on a yellow pad, and I did that for a few days, but yellow pads are terrible, <laughs> that big glob of paper, you know, <laughs> right. so I started using lined prayer journals similar to this one, and uh, now they, they stand from the floor to the ceiling in this room and you go back and reread your prayers and you can see what God's doing in your life you see he's alive you see he listens to your prayers you see he loves you you see how he answers the prayers in detail it's it just breathes fuel into your mm. spiritual life it's amazing so you're literally just, you're writing you're just writing them down it's like a it's like a letter to your mom or your yeah. wife you know you're that's awesome you're writing out your prayers word for word and mark patterson's book the circle maker uh challenged me in my prayer life to a huge degree so i uh that probably propelled my prayer life further ahead than anything of course bounds books on prayer are great mm -hmm. uh, but those were the ma dramatic changing books in my prayer life wow well, you know, before we before we leave today, um, Ross, first of all, I just appreciate your perspective. I appreciate your heart for pastors. I have a heart for pastors as well. I shared my personal story with you um, before that 
um, I wasn't raised in the church, and so the, when I came to faith in Christ and got plugged into a local body of, of believers, my church has been my home ever since, and God has used that in such an unbelievable way in my life. Uh, so I appreciate uh, the fact that you are spending your time loving on pastors who often feel isolated, you know, and we, we, we've already talked about the danger in the business world of, of isolating yourself, but it's, it's no less true in, in the church world. And so I appreciate all of that, but I want to give you an opportunity real quick before we leave as well. You mentioned in passing, but I want to press you, even though you haven't asked us to do that, but you said you have a, a book coming out. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your, your book and, and how we can uh, include the information uh, for that in the show notes, as well as uh, if somebody's listening and wants to get connected with Tall Oaks and find out what, what you're doing and find out more about coaching. And maybe there's a pastor who's listening to this and says, man, that's exactly what I need. So tell us just a little bit about uh, your upcoming book and how we can get connected with you. Uh, thanks, Adrian. My, my upcoming book is called Fuel to Ignite Your Soul, A 40-Day Challenge. And it's, it's really a testimonial book about my spiritual journey and what I developed um, into a tremendous habit that changed my life forever and my relationship with Jesus. And we teach that to every pastor that we coach. And uh, it's had dramatic effects in their lives. And I teach it to all the CEOs I coach. In fact, I won't coach them if they're not doing the 40-day challenge. The 40-day challenge isn't meant to be just 40 days. It's meant to be for life. But uh, if you can do 40, somewhere along that way, it'll dramatically change your life. So the book's all about the 40-day challenge and how it changed my life and others' lives and testimonials from pastors and from CEOs and presidents about how it changed their lives. It literally been taught to thousands of people and it's been amazing changes. And that book will be out um, uh, the end of this month or the first part of August and it's available on my website. It'll be available on Amazon It'll be in some bookstores too, but my website is rossallenhill.com, rossallenhill.com. And this ministry, by the way, Talks Coaching, is available to any and all pastors and their spouses, um, mostly in the Oklahoma City metro. It's totally free to them, totally free to their church. Um, we have Every coach is a former pastor um, or pastor's spouse. So the people doing the coaching know what it's like. They've sat in those chairs and they've worn those shoes and um, they're trained and they're quality coaching. And uh, all they have to do is uh, give us a call, 405-413-8222. Uh, 405-413-8222. Four one three eight two two two, and we will uh, get them into the program. That's incredible, and just what a great service you guys are providing. That's that's awesome. It's paid for by some incredible Christian business leaders in a, in Oklahoma City that love pastors and are concerned for them and care about them. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Well, Ross, we really appreciate your time, and thanks again for sharing your your wisdom. And I'm I'm sure. Uh, there's a lot more that we could talk about and hopefully 
uh, we will have the opportunity to have you on again and share about you know something else and give us an update on, on how tall oaks is going and uh as he already said you know in our show notes uh, we will include all of the information for tall oaks coaching for his upcoming books and his website and, and just if you want to connect with ross i'm sure he would be blessed uh for you to reach out to him so i would encourage you to do that also um if you're saying you know uh we i don't have that in my life i don't have somebody that's walking alongside me if that's something that you you heard this and say you know i really desire that i've never had that in my life uh, i would encourage you to reach out to cbmc as well because that's something that we do we work with businessmen and come alongside them right where they are to help help men uh, live out god's calling on their lives to go and make disciples who are going to make other disciples so we would uh, it would be a, a joy and a blessing to us to be able to connect with you as well so yeah. with that we will um, see you next time and thanks for tuning in thank you for listening to the red letter business podcast presented by cbmc oklahoma each episode explores a story of an ordinary businessman who has had extraordinary impact on the lives of people they work with. Have you ever wondered how God wants to use you in his story? We'd love to be a part of your journey in figuring out how God wants to use you, whether that's through one of our C3 teams, Young Professional Program, our Trusted Advisors Forum, or a one-on-one discipleship relationship. Visit cbmcok.com to get connected. Hit subscribe and join us for our next episode. Have a great day.